the Chiefs Kingdom Show. Live with the play-by-play voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Haltis. You're listening to exclusive coverage of Chiefs football. Here's the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Altus. Yeah. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to our Chiefs Kingdom show at the Hy-Vee Market Grill on Rice Road in Lee Summit, just off 291 Highway, one of our favorite locations. This just in. Your Kansas City Chiefs are in the playoffs for the fifth time in six years. Oh, well, who was thinking the Chiefs were going to pull it out at four minutes and four seconds? Ravens 24, Chiefs 17, fourth down and nine. A 48-yard pass to Tyree Kill from Patrick Mahomes. That was huge. And the Chiefs go on to win in overtime, 27-24 over the Ravens. It just sets this up. I know it feels like Monday night. It is Monday night, but it should feel like Thursday night because Phillip with 1L Rivers is coming to Arrowhead Stadium for an AFC West showdown. And the Chiefs taking on the Chargers. If the Chiefs win, they will win the AFC West for the third consecutive year. Never happened in Chiefs history. And we'll sew up the AFC West uh, Division Championship, as mentioned, and put them really close to the one seed for the entire AFC. So here comes Phillip with 1L Rivers. Since we played them in week one, our record is 10-2. The Charger record is 10-2. It is a showdown, and it's also time to... Put the hammer down, baby. You've got it. Again, a reminder, the Chiefs Kingdom show is presented by Bad Boy Mowers. The Chiefs Kingdom is bad boy country. Mow with an attitude. And great here tonight at Hy-Vee, again in Rice Road in Lee's Summit. A lot of great folks are out here tonight. A reminder, with Hy-Vee, make, uh, let them do the cooking for you this holiday. If you look uh, during this holiday season, Hy-Vee can do the cooking and you take the credit. Pre-made holiday dinners, ready to heat and serve. Reserve yours today. Hy-Vee does the cooking. You get the credit only at Hy-Vee this holiday season. All right. Here's the uh, roll call tonight. Sellout crowd in Lee Summit on Rice Road, just off 291 Highway. The Red Coaters are here. And thank you to them for an incredible gift that they gave to me during our pre-show show. Uh, to commemorate the 400th game and the 25th season. It is phenomenal and treasured. Thank you so very, very much to the Redcoaters, who 24-7, 365, represent the kingdom. Also, the Taj Mahal tailgaters, Susie Bling Bling, Kentha Cake Packer, and the Geek, Snowstorm Sandy, 
Autograph Geek is here to Yellow Fro Man and Fiery Phoenix, who's got a dual membership all with Reed's Redheads. Other Reed's Redheads here tonight. The Defense Diva. Hey, hey, Paula's here tonight. And I mentioned Reed's Redheads. The four generations of the Lake Lottawana Lake Rats are here tonight in attendance. The Red Guard here tonight. Big Chief Eric is here tonight. The City of Raytown, even though it's in Lee's Summit, the City of Raytown is here tonight. City Administrator Michael Stolzel, an incredible, incredible member of the Chiefs Kingdom, and he's also my son-in-law. All right, the, the Stafford Trojans are represented here tonight from Central Kansas, but now they've got, they're in London, England. They're here tonight with a great group. It's always a Lakers game when you come to the Chiefs Kingdom show. All of these, you know, the stars just show up. Kim Kardashian, uh, Kobe Bryant. Fred, Fred Liggett is here tonight, the award-winning sports writer from here with the Lee Summit Times. All right. Boy, we got a special show for you tonight because we're going to hear from head coach Andy Reid. He is busting it because this is 96 hours after we won that game yesterday. We're going to play again against Phillip with 1L Rivers and the Chargers, and everything is on the table. It's an all-in bet for both teams, and they're coming here to Arrowhead Stadium. So, again, before we go to break, it's time to put the hammer down. We'll be back with head coach Andy Reid after this on the Chiefs Fox Football Radio Network. And the injury to Jackson Griffin has fourth down and 22. The Chiefs hold, they win. 27-24 Chiefs in the OT. 139 to go. Fourth and 22. Chiefs with pressure on Robert Griffin the third. He throws it up for grabs. It's incomplete. Knocked away. Incomplete. The Ravens won a penalty. They will not get it. And the Chiefs have won in overtime. 27 to 24 on an improbable December Arrowhead victory. And the big red coach from Scotland has taken the Chiefs to the playoffs now for the fifth time in six years with an effort he'll be proud of. Grab a bucket of guts. The Chiefs snatch victory from the jaws of defeat to the Ravens. 27-24 Chiefs in overtime. Welcome back, everyone. We're at the Hy-Vee Market Grill at Rice Road in Lee Summit. Come join us as the uh, Chiefs with a hard-fought victory yesterday, an overtime victory over the Baltimore Ravens, and the Chiefs are in the playoffs, the fifth time in six campaigns under head coach Andy Reid, who joins me now. And, Coach, I know you're from Scottish descent, but William Wallace, one of the heroes of Scotland independence, would have loved your performance yesterday. Uh, yeah, he would have. Uh, that was uh... – a gutty performance by our guys. I thought they did a heck of a job just for four quarters, just battling through, and uh, it, was, it was neat to watch. I want to ask you, though, about poise and belief, true belief. I mean, people talk about it, but to have it, what was this team like when you're sitting there facing, staring right at the eyes of defeat? Yeah, they were, uh, they looked at it just the opposite way. They were going, how can we find a way to win this thing? And uh, that's what's unique about this crew. They, they never feel like they're out of it. And they, they keep bringing it, and it's almost when they're in the toughest spots that they they bear down the most. And uh, that's a unique quality to have. And, and so they're they're deserving in a situation like that against a good football team to come out on the, uh, the long end of it. I want to ask you about Patrick and this offense, just the gut shown by Tyree Kill to come back twice. 
But then in watching the video, the protections, guys picking up, doing the protections, picking up those blitzes. What about just doing it against a really good defense and a great scheme? Yeah, that was a two-hour blitz pickup period. Uh, they, they, they were bringing it. About four weeks ago, they decided they were going to make a change and, and uh, you know, a little change up and stay stay aggressive, and they were. And they got us a few times, and we got them a few times. So, uh, But Patrick did a nice job of hanging in there, and the old line, nice job, and it worked out okay. On the defensive side, at the end, I mean, it looked like Justin Houston just kind of took the game over. Uh, what about your ability just to, you know, put the hammer down basically when it mattered most. Yeah, Bob dialed up a zero blitz on that, and and Justin the tackle kicked out, and he kind of saw the guy looking out there to um, 47, I think it was coming off the edge, and and uh, he just uh, hit it. He kind of cheated himself in, very aware, and then uh, hit it hard and aggressive, and was able to get a strip sack on that. Justin, though, was transparent after the game. He talked about <laughs> Hamilton getting in his face on the sideline and saying, are you going to do something here? And I want to ask you about internal accountability. You can lead it. The coaching staff can lead it. But when a locker room has it, how powerful is it? Yeah, we always talk about peer pressure being the strongest pressure. And that's the way it is in a locker room. Uh, if you're not held accountable in there by your teammates, old guys like me can say anything they want to say. But uh, – the best pressure comes from within, and and they they keep each other accountable, and so it's that's human nature, and everybody's going to have a day where they're down in the dumps a little bit, and it's great to have somebody pick you up, and there's all kinds of ways of doing that. Our guys are pretty good at that. And I want to ask you about uh, Harrison Butker. I mean, the two misses, the 51, then the chance to win in regulation, but he comes back to hit the overtime kick. Um, just your, to be able to overcome that and be able to get it done again. Yeah, so he, he he found a way. He's kind of a cool dude, anyways. You know, I mean, <laughs> he's got his own socks. You know, or something. So, but he found he did find a way. He missed a couple and then uh, figured out a way to do it and and put it through and did a nice job on the stroke right there. And the short turnaround, I, to me, coach, I think it's one of the most challenging things in all of professional sport. How do you attack playing again in 96 hours? Yeah, it's a, it is a challenge. It's a challenge on the players, uh, more so than on the coaches. The players have got the physical, mental part of this thing that they got to take care of. And so recovery becomes huge. Study becomes huge. And uh, if you can combine those two and do a good job with it collectively as a team, then you normally work out okay. I just got to mention this, folks. It is his 205th career victory as a head coach. It ties you seventh all-time with Marty Schottenheimer. And the reason I bring it up is you tie Marty. That was kind of a Marty game yesterday, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a Marty game. I love Marty. I mean, he, uh, he's he been great to me over my career. As a, as a young guy at one time, he kind of looked over me and gave me some coaching points. And, uh, you know, my heart's with him always. Yeah, and a Scotsman and a German actually getting along. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good thing. I think they invaded Scotland at one time. Uh, we fought back, you know, <laughs> gallantly. <laughs> All right, the Chiefs with the victory in overtime, short week, get ready to go, and a chance to win a division, Coach. Uh, we're going to let you get back to work. Man, we're, we're, I appreciate that, Mitch. I can't wait to get everybody in here and and uh, have an opportunity for the Chargers play with the Red Sea. By the way, the Sea of Red and then the Red Heads, man. Hi to those Red Heads. <laughs> They're here. When we come back, we'll talk with a guy that has one of the longest plays in NFL history. He did it against the Chargers. Mark, Mark Borichter, after this, you're listening to exclusive coverage of Chiefs football.
scrambling to the right side. Still scrambling. Now he throws it late. He's throwing for Tyreek Hill. He's got the catch. He's at the 20, at the 25-yard line. Now inside the 15 and out of bounds, down at the Raven 12. Unreal. Mahomes scrambling to the right side and threw across his body on fourth down and nine for 48 yards. Yeah, I had him going backwards, but he does that sometimes. Uh, welcome back. He goes faster backwards than most humans can go forwards. Uh, welcome back to our Chiefs Kingdom show. We're at the Rice Road location just off 291 in Lee Summit. Again, you can get, uh, you'll see famous people there like Fred Liggett, the award-winning sports writer from here in Lee Summit. We also had this note. Uh, we've got about 18 Chiefs fans listening tonight in St. Croix. The, yeah. They're at Sharky's Bait Shack in St. Croix. Uh, People from uh, St. Joe, Norman, Oklahoma, live in there, Independence and Lee's Summit, including my brother who lives there and works there now. And here's why I mention him, because he's still his favorite Chiefs jersey, and he wears it every game, is a Mark Richter number 85 jersey. Now, a reminder here at High V, you can get your Patrick Mahomes T-shirt, right? Okay, get your Patrick Mahomes, the official Patrick Mahomes T-shirt, available, produced by Charlie Hustle, exclusively uh, here at Hy-Vee. Perfect Christmas gift, holiday gift for the Chiefs fan in your life. Also, if you really want to be kind to Santa, he might bring you a Mark Richter jersey. Would you welcome? We got one here tonight, a Mark Richter jersey. We have one here, yes. A Mark Richter jersey here tonight, yes. Yes. And we'll days away from celebrating the 16-year anniversary of tied for the longest pass in NFL history for a touchdown, Mark Bo Richter from Trent Green. That's right. Good evening, Bo. How are you? I'm doing great now that you're here. Bo Richter jerseys all over the place. We just received this note. The, the top seller's Mahomes. Second is Bo Richter. That's right. Wow, you're up to number two. That's, that's, yeah. that's a good company to be with. I yeah. <laughs> uh, it's awesome to have you here tonight. And uh, so cool to see everybody out here. Also a reminder, the Chiefs Kingdom show is brought to you by Bad Boys. The Chiefs Kingdom's bad boy country, Mo with an attitude. Speaking of bad boys, he was one of those good boys, bad boys, right? Great boy off the field, bad boy on the field. But I have a reaction because you, you're on the air. You, you're in the business now. Mm-hmm. But your analysis so far of the 11-2 2018 Kansas City Chiefs. Well, my analysis, I think, is this, that, you know, you mentioned I do a lot of the pregame shows here on 810 and, and uh, with Petro, but I don't want to say I was shocked, but I had some tempered expectations outside of probably some other people. Um, just with Patrick Mahomes coming into this season, I figured he'd be making more mistakes, at least early on in the season, than what he did. Um, I think a lot of people thought that would happen, but – uh, he's having an MVP caliber year, but I think more importantly, as I look at it with this team, that <clears throat> there's something special about this team chemistry-wise to me, and you're around it a lot more than I am, and, and I haven't been in the locker room and around it enough really overall with that side, but you can just sense it. You can see with the players and everybody else, I think, within this organization, and, and specifically the locker room with the players, how they're playing for each other. I mean, that's a special, that's a special thing that that doesn't come around a lot in a, in a professional locker room. And this team, you know, you got to give Andy Reid and the staff a lot of credit, but this team together, 
I think overall there's there's a special chemistry there, and it's a special year so far, and, and we hope it's going to continue to be a special year for sure. I mentioned these get, these shows are like Laker games, right? You never know who's going to show up. Dan Israel's here tonight, Spartacus. Yay! Executive producer of the Chiefs Fox Football Radio Network, president, CEO, and major shareholder of Short Circuit Electronics. The reason I introduce him, though, is the fact that he's been in this league for over 30 years. You played in this league. You also had a great career in the Canadian Football League. So you would know how difficult it is. What you just said, though, Mark, how difficult is it to build that chemistry, specifically in football and especially in professional football? I think it's extremely difficult. You gotta, you're not just melding 53 personalities, right? you got the practice squad guys, and you're cutting down from 90 players at the beginning of the year. And finding the best 53 for you on game day, um, you know, that are, that are going to play for you and be on your active roster overall. But when you're putting guys from different backgrounds together, um, different, uh, you know, places where they've come from, different schools, different levels of school, um, it's difficult to harness, I think, the egos of all those guys and harness the personalities of those guys to get them to, to finally come into one. And a lot of it has to do, I think, with the leadership in your locker room and who you've got there in that leadership, those leadership positions and who's got the voice in your locker room as well. But it's I liken it to this, and whether it's an NBA team, whether it's a professional baseball team, whether it's an NFL team, it all comes down to the staff and the head guy. And, and how do you manage personalities and manage egos because – I can tell you as a receiver, we're always open, right? We always want the ball. Everybody wants it. And there's a lot of weapons on this team. But, and, and Travis Kelsey's having a great year. Obviously, Tyreek Hill's having a great year. But you look at guys like DeMarcus Robinson stepping up. Those guys down the list all are making plays when they need to. And I think what I look at it is they're all bought into the team concept side of things. I'm sure there's some guys that after the game are like, you know, I didn't get as many targets as I want to. But this team – you can truly tell, and the reason I say I can truly tell is because I've been in a locker room before and seen this, that yeah. you can truly tell when guys are playing for each other. You don't see a ton of outbursts on the sidelines at all, really, in frustration. If you do see it, they're working together to get something and get to get something fixed. And I think that's, that's to me, why this team is where they are right now and why I think they, you know, certainly can challenge for the Super Bowl. Excellent. Excellent, dude. But I tell people this all the time, even more than baseball or hockey or basketball, football is very similar to the military. It's not the military, but it's similar. And the reason is you can fracture a football team five dozen ways. Offense and defense can be fractured apart. Mm -hmm. uh, you can have backgrounds or ethnicity. Back, I mean, you can have assistant coaches trying to get head coaching jobs. I mean, I've just seen it. I've seen the egg cracked uh, so many ways. The good teams you've been on – then when it gets going and a defensive guy is for the offense, and this team has that, how magical is that when you have that going on? Well, it can be extremely magical when that happens. And I think um, to go back to my days, 2003 was that year for us. Now, um, we lost in the, the playoffs at home to the Colts uh, when, in a game that nobody punted, um, which I tell people is still one of the greatest games I've ever been a part of. Now we came out on the losing end. You usually yeah. you think that's a winning game, but it can be a magical run. There's just a special and feel even in the locker room where, you know, if something happens to you, if you get – I don't want to make another analogy, but it's a, kind of like a boxing analogy. If you get punched in the face and get knocked down in the second round, you know, hey, you know what, I'm going to get up. My cornermen are going to have me. 
we're going to get back and play, and we're going to be fine. And that's what I see with this team, too, is it's it's difficult to, to manage all that. It's difficult to get guys on the same page. But when you do feel that, it's a special aura in the locker room when guys know they need to play for each other. And you're going to have distractions over the course of the year, whether it's injuries, um, you know, not to go back to a situation a couple of weeks ago, obviously, with Kareem Hunt and things like that. But those are all challenges that come to you over the course of a season and in some cases don't even affect football, right, because they happen off the field or things like that. It's how you kind of rally around each other and say, okay, we got a, we got a job to do and go out to do it and to execute it. And I think so they really – you know, there's a reason why he's been as successful as he's been because of the processes that are in place. He lets the men be men, and he lets the locker room police itself a little bit. And when you've got a solid locker room and solid leadership, this is what happens. I'm going to ask you about the locker room policing itself, that and poise. Uh, but first, the locker room policing. Yesterday, Justin Houston, we had him on the uh, High V Chiefs uh, Rewind show, if you saw that after the game. And he was very transparent, Bo. He said, hey, I was coming off the field, and Justin Hamilton, it's the first time he's been active all year, but he, he was played a lot last year. He said he got in my face and said, now what are you going to do? Are you going to take this game over or what? And it just it kind of flipped the switch, and Justin Houston took the game over, right? Yeah. Hey, that was huge. But when you have that aspect, and it's this horizontal accountability where it's not the coaches motivating the guys, but it's the guys motivating the guys, what power can there be in that element? Well, there's a huge power in that element. And the fact that Justin Houston can get challenged and not take it personally, right, and get upset, it just lit his fire a little bit more. Like, you're right, I need to step up. I need to play. When you got guys that can check their ego at the door that way, that's the huge part of it. Like, when I was playing, you know, Will Shields didn't say a whole lot. He was a quiet individual. Let his play do the talking. But when Will spoke, you knew, okay, we need to buckle down, or there's some meaning to this. Uh, Brian Waters was another guy offensive in the offensive line. Now, he and Willie Rowe were usually arguing about something in the huddle that happened about eight plays ago in terms of a protection <laughs> half the time. Um, but when they spoke, you know, everybody listened. And it, it, when my time, it started with Trent, I think, too. And, and even on the defensive side, we had some guys like Mike Maslowski and some other guys that were leaders of that defense. But – when you got guys that can challenge your star players who aren't star players, you know, your your 46th guy on the roster, your 45th guy on the roster, your 53rd who's not even suited up and active that week can challenge your stars and your stars respond, that's when you know you got something special. The other is the poise aspect. Fourth and nine, I said it on the air. It was uh, at the edge of the plank, and Blackbeard was poking the sword in the back. And then Mahomes does a backflip, kind of like the video they put out of the uh, – Star Wars deal, uh, but the poise that this team has and has shown. This has not been easy, Bo. No. This is 11-2 and two and playing the toughest schedule of any team in the NFL and most of it on the road. But the poise that's with these guys, whether it's the veterans or the young guys. The poise is unbelievable. And for me, it's Patrick Mahomes being a young guy and obviously having a, a, a great teacher last year to, to look at and Alex Smith, who is, you know, I give a lot of credit to this year to Alex Smith, and, and some I know Alex Smith got a lot of a lot of heat a little bit in this town from time to time with his you know whether he wanted to throw the ball down the field and overall playmaking ability, but he was the right quarterback at the right time for to stabilize this organization at that position. But it's difficult for a guy like that to know that hey the guy that's replacing me is sitting right next to me right, and it's not a fourth round quarterback they traded up to get him, <laughs> you know to number ten in the first round. 
that's a difficult piece. But the poise that this team has, I, his leadership ability, and and now being the guy and having to come in at training camp and all the offseason practices to say, okay, this is my team now, and the guys to embrace that. What he put in last year, building the foundation for himself coming into this year, is what earned that for him. And then he's done it with his play on the field. Where I knew this early on where this team was going to be special, I think, Mitch, though, was after the New England game and that loss. Because, you know, it was such kind of a heartbreaking loss a little bit because you fought like crazy. You end up losing that game, but you were down early in that game, and it could have been a lot worse for you. But you fought back, tied the game. You were in a position to win. You just didn't get it done. But every single post-game interview was not lip service from these guys. It was, hey, we're good. We're all right. It doesn't matter. Hopefully we'll see them again. Whether you see them again or not is, is that early in the season. I kind of laugh at that a little bit to see those guys again. But at the same time, this team really had the poise. That was, to me, as a former player looking at it, going, okay, these guys are together. It doesn't matter what happens. We proved to ourselves that we came back. We got ourselves in a hole. We came back and, and challenged for this win. We just didn't get it done in a tough place to do it by the way, in Foxborough. And and at that point, I think that was, if you want to look at that first loss, but that was something to me for them at that New England game that, that was kind of a stepping stone, I think, for this team and a maturing for this team overall as Patrick Mahomes' team. And and thank you for mentioning that. But, listen, there's a lot of special people in this room, and you've come week after week when it was 2-14, and 14, but also know the power of prayer in this room. It's gone through a lot. Without, yeah. Uh, Dan Israel sitting over here, and you guys prayed him through chemotherapy and cancer. Uh, we need to remember Alex in our prayers. Yeah, absolutely. This is a tough deal, Bo. Uh, him with that uh, breaking his leg, a, and he and Elizabeth, you know, are phenomenal people. He's going to be in the ring of honor someday, and I can't wait to hopefully I get to present him that day. But we need to pray him up here because it's been rough here on this recovery with the infection and such. So it's not been easy for Alex. And, you know, he's looking at, am I going to play again or not? I mean, there's a lot of things going on here with them. There's a lot of things going on with them. Unfortunate injury. That was gruesome when it happened. And anytime you have anything like that, you already start about talking about career ending. But then to have the complications that have been reported with him lately, it's not it's not about football anymore. It's about life for him. And I think he'll be okay overall. But it's not about whether he's going to play football again necessarily in his career. But, um, you know, getting him better and making sure that he's okay. We've hit poise. We've hit accountability. Those are all, and and just the confidence this team has, the togetherness. It's the way Bo played the game, don't you think? He's a remarkable story. We're going to talk about that when we come back. But Bo is here. The Chargers will be here soon in one of the biggest Thursday night games in NFL history, one of the biggest games in recent Arrowhead history. It's time to put the hammer down, baby. Number 85 is here at the Lee Summit, Rice Road, Hy-Vee, Market Grill. We'll be back with more from Bo after this on the Chiefs Fox Football Radio Network. Third and seven at the eight. No score. Late first. Green with all kinds of time. Holds it. Fires it. Late for the end zone. He's got Bo Richter. Touchdown, Kansas City. Mark Bo Richter, his 14th catch, his seventh touchdown. That was huge. 14 catches. We are back at the Hy-Vee Market Grill and Lee Summit. Just off 291 Rice Road. That's the way this dude rolled. Mark Bo Richter, our guest tonight. That was a phenomenal year. 14 
receptions, and half of them were touchdowns. I mean, the guy was a red zone machine. Uh, a reminder here that Bo being here tonight gets some loot. You get a gift certificate to High V, perfect timing this time of year, and 250 bucks. I got to tell you, Bo was always like a fashion slave, right? Clothes hound. <laughs> uh, I would always see him early in the morning. He'd be having coffee on game day all by himself, real early in the morning, and then like this incredible like $1,500 suit. Uh, he gets a $250 uh, certificate to Houndstooth, 507 Walnut. The best men's store in downtown. So that's for Bo. Also tonight for all of you, a special giveaway from the folks here at the Hy-Vee Market Grill, Rice Road Lee Summit. Look under your seat for those in attendance tonight. We've got a big crowd. If you have a pink, pink sticker, there's a special gift for you. Stand up if you've got the pink sticker. Not the stink picker, but the pink <laughs> sticker. That is huge. Uh, as they look for pink stickers here, uh, I want to ask you. It's one of the I, to me. It's one of the more phenomenal stories. Awesome. We'll let you guys handle it. Uh, you're one of the more awesome stories in my brief 25 years as being the voice of the Chiefs, because I can't think of many more guys that came out of NAI schools, and it was pretty cool that you came out of Hastings College. Now that's a little over an hour from where I grew up in Smith Center, Kansas. Yes, so I grew up a lot of. We'd go to my granddad was from Hastings. We'd go to Hastings all the time for groceries. But <laughs> how how much pride does it give you the fact that, hey, I played at an NAI school and that you had a very productive professional football career? Well, I have tremendous pride in it. Um, you know, coming out of high school, I wasn't really highly recruited at all and knew, of course, this is back before. And you were was, Hastings High, right? Not, yeah, I'm from Hastings. I went to Hastings but not, High. Not just St. Cecilia. Not St. Cecilia, but Yeah, you're my high. granddad's. Tigers, baby. That's right. And so I, you know, this was before any of the star system really existed, right, for recruiting and everything. And I was a late bloomer in high school. I was, as a sophomore in high school, I was about 5'10", and really kind of grew and and peaked from that point. So uh, I went to Hastings College. My father was the athletic director at Hastings College at the time, and and Barney Cotton was the head coach. and, And I looked at some top NAIA programs at the time. I looked at Bethany, Kansas, which was a perennial power at that point. I looked at um, University of Sioux Falls, who had won the national championship, and uh, at Hastings and Northwestern and Iowa. And so I just felt it was the best fit for me. I moved a whole three and a half blocks away from home to go to school <laughs> from the campus. How'd that go? Did you get homesick? I actually never went home. That's the crazy part about it. I never went home and, 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 and made it there. And I didn't have any – I mean uh, – Every kid has a dream, I guess, of, you know, playing professional football. But at that point, I didn't th- see it. I wanted to go somewhere where I could play and maybe have a nice four-year career. And it turned out that uh, I had a really nice career and had some connections to some of our coaches on the staff that got me noticed up in Canada and went up. And the one part I think about my story that most people don't know is, you know, in Canada, you have this American, in the CFL, you have American and, and Canadian ratio. So you can only have so many Americans on the roster uh, to, to Canadians. And so... When I got up there, I was really fighting for nine, with nine or ten other guys for one spot. Wow. And got into a great situation with Alan Pitts, who at the time was Jerry Rice of the CFL, was playing at Calgary. Got in behind him. And the first game, because he was a veteran, didn't play, so I started. And the first pass I caught in the preseason game, I took about 50 yards for a touchdown. And also, I was supposed to be on the kickoff team, of course, right after that and forgot about it. But... <laughs> 
the because uh, I was so excited. Do they have scored, fines just, in Canadian football? They do, but I didn't get fined. Okay. I'm so excited. I scored my first professional touchdown that you know overwhelmed me a little bit on that side of things. But went up and had a, a nice career there. Won a great cup in 2001, and then really had an opportunity to choose um, between about 15 different teams who were interested in my services, and uh, it really came down to me to. Um, the final aspect of looking at things uh, between Indianapolis and Kansas City. Uh, some people would probably tell me I'm crazy that I didn't go catch passes from Peyton Manning. But, uh, and I'll tell people this, and I told people this, I actually took less money to come to Kansas City at the time because of the wide receiver situation here in 2001, 2002. I wanted to be able to play. And not a lot of people remember this too, but I, it got off to a rocky start for me. One of the best things for me here was Tony Gonzalez was holding out during OTAs in spring. And so... I got to run a lot of the routes he did because I was a bigger receiver. Got a lot more reps during the off-season practices and OTAs than I normally would have. And then about three days into training camp or two days into training camp, I had appendicitis and missed about two, three weeks. So for me trying to, to make the roster, I was nervous of whether I was going to make the roster. I felt really good coming into training camp, and then that happened. So I got off to a slow start in terms of being um, involved in the offense as the year got on, uh, started in 2002, but – it was a long road, and I just stuck with it. And, you know, uh, after Kansas City here in 2005 was my last year. Of course, I tore my ACL in 04. I missed that entire season. In 06, I went to Green Bay and Indianapolis for a little bit and back to the Canadian Football League in 2007. Had some opportunities to continue to play up there, but I looked at it, Mitch, that, you know, an eight-year run of professional football out of an NAI school is pretty darn well, pretty darn good. And being able to – when I went to Canada to play, I just wanted to play and give it a shot. And my hard work, perseverance, and, and obviously a little bit of talent helped with that, though. Eight years of professional football. A couple of things here. By the way, a lot going on Thursday night, including the induction of Tony Gonzalez into the Ring of Honor. And I know that's always fun to get to see uh, your guys that you played with. But the other thing is, and I want to give a shout-out. You guys know I'm a big fan of football at all levels. Love this game. The NAIA National Championship is this Saturday in Daytona Beach, Florida. The game is between two teams from the Chiefs' kingdom. We could play it in Arrowhead, I guess, on Saturday since we're playing Thursday. They're going to Daytona Beach to play it. It is Morningside from Sioux City, Iowa, the Fighting Mustangs against the Benedictine Ravens from Atchison, Kansas. And a lot of Benedictine alums listening to us uh, tonight, a chance to get uh, Steve Torlean. I know he's this famous attorney in town at KTK. I mean, they've got a lot of pride there. But here we are. The end. the other thing I would mention is your dad is a phenomenal commissioner and administrator at all levels, including the MIAA. And he's taking the MIAA to new levels, including helping bring the National Championship Division II game here to Kansas City. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on with the Bo Richter family, well, but also at all levels of football. Well, Let's cheer Benedictine in Morningside. Yeah. Here's, here's the thing about it, Mitch. So you mentioned my father um, was the athletic director at Hastings. Good man. And Great then he man. was at uh, Northwest Missouri State for a long time as the athletic director and then uh, the commissioner of the MIAA until he retired about two years ago. Um, but I actually work at the NAIA now and have been there now for about two and a half years. So I'm actually not going to be here on Thursday for the Thursday night game. Are you going to Daytona? Because as part of my duties, I've got to go to Daytona Beach, Florida, to oh. score this game. So, you know, it's great that you mentioned this. It, it's great that you mentioned this. But um, I, I am going to miss the fact that Tony Gonzalez is going in the ring of honor uh, and, you know, miss getting to see some of my teammates. But 
I've been fortunate enough over the last couple of years with Priest Holmes and Tony Richardson going in that we've gotten just on the alumni weekends in general. There's a lot of guys that come back that we've been able to see. Um, it's I'm disappointed that I'm gonna have not gonna be able to be there this year for it, but at the same time, my you know real work duties are taking over here with this. And another little personal story on this too: uh, the Morningside Mustangs uh, have a receiver who's a number two receiver on the team by the name of Bo Ells, who was born in 1997 in Hastings College when his dad was uh, my head coach at Hastings. So all it does is make me feel really old is really what it means. But I'm excited. And the other thing with it, I think, because, you know, I've gotten into the broadcasting stuff here over the last couple of years and did virtually every single Heart of America Conference game this year on TV, um, ESPN3. It's a tremendous NAIA league that includes Baker, Benedictine, Mid-America, um, as you look at it just from a local standpoint here. Evangel, Springfield. Evangel, yeah. um, you know, Central Missouri. Central Methodist, you opened Central that Missouri. can of words. Yeah, Thank, yeah, okay. Thank you, Grace. Thank you. Because I'll get the emails going, you didn't mention <laughs> you didn't mention Missouri Valley. They're in Marshall, Missouri. Come but um, so I broadcast a lot of their, I broadcast a lot of those games this year. And you know, Larry Wilcox, the head coach of Benedictine, has never been to a national championship game in 45 years that he's been at Benedictine. And 45 years. He's in, he was inducted into the NAI Hall of Fame uh, two years ago as a head coach, and now has an opportunity uh, to win his first national championship. So. Oh, man. There's a lot of cool stories around just this game. I'm so excited. I've, I've got to go to work uh, as a sponsorship aspect of things that I do for the NAI there. But this one's a little more personal to me because Larry Wilcox is a great man. Their athletic director, Charlie Gardner, is a great uh, and a good friend of mine who I've known for several years. And then uh, Steve Ryan, who's the head coach at Morningside, is a tremendous guy as well. So this will be a fun game. To, it'll, it'll be on ESPN3 at uh, – uh, 5 o'clock on uh, Saturday night. Two Chiefs Kingdom teams. We have an affiliate in Sioux City, Iowa. And, of course, affiliates all over the Benedictine footprint. Love NAI football. Kids played NAI sports. Love it and appreciate that. And just rem- remember Bo as he goes to Daytona Beach, Florida. <laughs> like, uh, all right. We come back. We come back. We're going to relive one of the greatest plays in NFL history and in Chiefs history. You won't want to miss it. We come back. More with Mark Bo-Richter. Again, we're at the Hy-Vee Market Grill, Lee Summit, uh, 291 Rice Road. Back after this year, listening to exclusive coverage of Chiefs football. First down and 12. Going to throw from his own end zone. Green steps up, going long. He's got Bo Richter over the shoulder catch. It's a foot race. Bo Richter being chased at the 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown. Touchdown. 99-yard touchdown pass. Burning Rogers Beckett. Trent Green to Mark Bo Richter. The longest touchdown pass in Chiefs history. The field's only 100 yards long. I guess it's the longest play. Right. Quickly, we're in the last minute 40 of the show. What do you remember about that play? And it was against the Chargers, right? It was against the Chargers. I, I remember – I didn't remember how long it actually was when I did it. I'll tell you that right now. Come on, the field's only 100 yards. Well, like. the beauty of it is I can always hang my hat on this, Mitch, and all the credit really goes to Omar Easy. I don't know if you remember this, but he – He false started on the two-yard line, so he had to go <laughs> half the distance to the goal, which made it – I'll put the ball on the one-yard line, which made it a 90-yard play. So um, it's nice to be in the record books. I can tell people I'm in the the NFL Hall of Fame because my name is there um, as part of the record books. I think the beauty of it for me is it can only be tied. It can never be broken. I think that's the thing that's cool about it. So 
Um, it's, I, it's by far probably the single play that's the highlight of my career, for sure. Oh, okay. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh. That's a shock. Yeah. I thought maybe it was when you had to block in a screen for Priest Holmes. Well, those I mean, were always fun, too, because half the time he was in the end zone after it. But. Right. Hey, you get a 99-yard touchdown, the longest in NFL history. That's an example of how to put the hammer down. Remember, here at the High V Market Grill and Lee's Summit NFL Sunday Ticket, unlimited wings and fries, 12 bucks. You got to do that. You also have to be there Thursday night, folks. It is time to get after the Chargers and win a division. Let's go. Thanks to Bo. We'll be in mission a week from where are we going to be? It's going to be in the Monday night after the Thursday night game. You'll want to be there. One of the best players in the league in his position on the Chiefs Fox Football Radio Network.